Well, hey, glad you're here with us this morning. Um, maybe to kick off today, I just want to say um, living in the age of technology itself is, is really full of a bunch of wow factors, isn't it? I mean, have you ever just thought about technology and how, you know, kind of shocking it is, just the wow moments? You know, you can walk up to an ATM, cash register, whatever. You don't need money. You just swap the card. My kids, I, a couple of years ago, I kind of say a couple of years ago, one of them that about, I don't know, five years ago said, hey, let's go to Six Flags. And I said, hey, we can't really afford that right now. And their response was, well, you just swap the card. <laughs> like, well, it don't really work that way. I mean, it's not how it goes down, but it's just kind of that wow factor. All you're going to do is punch in a code and boom, it's, it's, it's access. As long as you've got the code, you're in, right? Or, um, you know, your phone. I mean, you can right now and maybe you'll do this in the service, be typing to somebody in China. Instant access. All you have to do is open your phone, type in your access code, and how freaky is it that some of your phones are just look at your face and recognize you? I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but that should lead cause to conspiracy right there. Um, and so it's just access. If you, As long as you know the code, you're, you're in. Um, me and Julie Beth can head off on a date and the kids order a pizza and order a movie and it'll send a text to our phone and says, do you authenticate this? Absolutely. Boom. We can stay out longer. You just, as long as you've got that authentication code, you're in. So that is partly creepy, but those codes and the way they work are, are pretty comforting as well, right? It, it shows definitely that them sending you a code um, to authenticate something means that there's some level of security. But then there's also the fact that you knowing the code brings comfort to you. You knowing that code lets you know that you really do have rights to whatever is on the end of your purchase or, or whatever it is. And so Colossians is going to be an even better wow moment, I would say. It's, it's the wow moment that Paul has walked us up to the supremacy or the checkout line or the, uh, the order in the pizza or the whatever it is. He's walked us up to this treasure, this purchase that, that we can have. And it is supremacy in all things, Christ's supremacy in all things. And he's walked us up straight up to that. And he said to us last week already that there's nothing else in life that will satisfy you just won't find anything else in life that will satisfy. Everything else will fail you, but you can have this joy if you understand Christ's supremacy. And He's shown us that both our earthly joy and our eternal joy is bound in what we understand is Christ supreme in all things in my life. And so today what He's going to do is this. He's going to say, I've shown you that all these things is where you can have joy, and I'm going to show you the access code. I'm going to show you the, the authentication code. And if you have these, then you can rest assured that Christ is supreme and He's going to do what He says He'll do and He'll bring you joy and He'll, He'll bring you all these things. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. Like right now when I talked about codes, how many of y'all just for fun thought about the code to your bank account or, or access code to your phone? Did you do that? Did you think about the code? I did as well. Um, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think through the code as we look at it. And I want you to think, does this resonate with me? And if it resonates with you, if what Paul says about the Colossians and the authentication that they have is true, man, I pray that it will erupt in joy in you today. That you didn't have anything to do with putting this code in you. 
number one. And then number two, if when we walk through these things, if you're oddly convicted and like, maybe I got one part of the code or two parts of the code, and it brings conviction, don't let that crush you, but let it be a thank you, Lord, that you're bringing these things to mind because you really are supreme and I want you to be supreme. And by your kindness, you're drawing me back to yourself. Does that make sense? So let's celebrate, let's worship, let's look at this code, let's see what he has to do. So again, before we jump in, Colossians is about what? Say it out loud for me. Supremacy in all things. All right? <laughs> that, let me go ahead and give you the answer every single Sunday. Every single Sunday, the answer is Christ's supremacy in all things, because that's what Colossians is about. All right, so let's try it again. What is Colossians about? Christ's supremacy in all things, all right? So he's walked us up to that. He said, if Christ is supreme, you'll have joy no matter what comes your way. Find it, and then he's going to jump into this. All right, so here we go. Verse 3 of chapter 1. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Number one, the supremacy of Christ will make us do this. It will make us prayerfully united with each other. When we see Christ as supreme in all things, we will, as a byproduct, pray for one another who are also in Christ. And we see that. Now remember, this is odd because Paul has never been to Colossae. He has no reason to know them. They're not united in conversation. They're not united in jokes. They've never shared a meal together. They've never played a sport together. They've never even seen each other face to face. But they're united in the fact that they see Christ as supreme in all things. Paul sees Christ as supreme in all things. And that alone makes them pray for one another. Let it be said of Safe Haven Church that we pray for one another, not just because we love one another, but because we cherish the fact that each other are pushing one another to see Christ as supreme in all things. Let that be why we pray for one another. So this unites them. They pray for each other because they're family, and in Christ we're family. But look at verse 4. I pray for you since... Here we go. Now he's going to give the authentication code. I pray for you because you've shown that you have the access code. This is the since. Um, I got giddy and smiled just a minute ago while we were singing since Britt played the harmonica. Did anybody else get smiley and giddy? I mean, it's just something about it, man. He played it, and I was just drawn to the Lord. But the reason I got giddy was since he did this. So Paul says, I'm praying for you since you did something. Here we go. Since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. There it is. Did you catch it? Did you catch the access code? It's three digits. There's a three-digit access code. It's all over Scripture. It's, it's the authenticity code of Christianity, if you will. If we had a family crest, and that family crest has different words on it, you know I'm talking about family crest, it would have these three words. How many times in Scripture do you see the words combined together? Faith, hope, and what? Faith, hope, and love. Did you see that in that text right there? I pray for you because I've heard about your faith, your hope, and your love. There it is. There's the access code. 
If you don't get anything else today, write that down and you can zone me out for the rest of the day. Do you exhibit faith, hope, and love? And so he says these things because they can't be generated by man. It's, they, they all come from God. If you find yourself expressing faith, expressing hope, expressing love because of Christ, it's not because you just decided to do that one day. That's supernatural. That was put in you. And so the question number one would be is this, is if we're looking at the supremacy of Christ and am I in that, do I believe that, is He really Lord of all things? The first question would be, well, has Christ's supremacy birthed faith in you? Do you see faith being exhibited in your heart? Is it prayer worthy? Is it praise worthy? Um, In the first service, I I think I said that Michael English sang this song, which is not true. The song goes, and you got to have faith, the faith, the faith, not Michael English, George Michael. Two totally different people. One of them, Dixie Gospel Caravan, the other not Dixie Gospel Caravan, right? But we sing that song and we think about that, but, but what kind of faith is he talking about? What, what, what is a faith that shows that we believe Christ is supreme in all things? Is it, is it just a faith that well, everything will be okay in the end? I don't think it's that. Is it just a faith that is kind of wishful? I have faith, I'm wishful that this. Is it, is it that or is it deeper than that? Is it a faith that I'm going to keep driving on because I have faith? Is that what he's talking about? I, I, don't, I don't think so. For the Christian... The type of faith that expresses that we believe Christ is supreme in all things is not a blind hope, but it's like a cane. It's like a cane that you you put down and you lean everything you've got against that cane. Everything. Believing that the cane will hold you up. And that's what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, I don't know you, but I've heard about the fact that in all things you lean in on Christ like a cane. In everything, that's the type of faith that he's talking about. So what is the extent of this type of faith? Well, the question would be is when you're at work and you're assigned that task, do you think, how does Christ fit in this task? I'm going to take it to a whole nother level because I think that's where Paul takes it to. And trust me, y'all know me. I am not telling you that I knock these things out of the park. I am telling you that Scripture is challenging us to ask these questions. Do I see Christ as supreme in all? Does that make sense? So when you think about retirement, do you think about, I'm going to retire and how does Christ fit in that? When you think about obstacles that are coming your way, which is typically when we think about Christ, but I got this obstacle, how does Christ fit in that? When you have a win in life, is your instant default, yes, I've done good, or is your default, how does Christ fit in this win in life? When you've got the dishes to do, I know it's a whole bizarre thing, right? When you're about to wash dishes... Do we contemplate how does Christ fit in these dishes? I know you're looking at me like i got four eyes, not just because I'm wearing glasses. But that's what Colossians is calling us to. Do I think about Christ in all things? When I'm thinking about the purchase, when I'm singing the song, when I'm thinking about cutting the grass, when I'm cutting the grass, am I thinking about how does Christ fit? That's the faith he's talking about. 
we see Christ is supreme in all things, do we have that type faith? Christ is in all. And I think he starts with faith because apart from faith, there really is no further Christian experience, is there? There's no hope and there's no love if we don't first express faith. That's where it all begins. But then he keeps on going. He says that it's also he, he prays because they have faith, but also he prays because he sees that this, it's birthed this love in them. And not just a generic love, did it say that, but a, gener- a, a specific love for one another. That's what's unique about the Christian church. And so faith will always prove itself outwardly in expressions of tangible love. Just will. So what I'm trying to say is we're definitely to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. No doubt about that. But we are especially to love our neighbor who are also brothers and sisters in Christ. I think you can track this biblical theme throughout Scripture that, yes, in the New Testament, we are to love the stranger, but at all costs, we are to love the brothers and sisters in a whole different way, in a whole special way, in a whole unique way. It's a love that counts no sacrifice too great. When one person in the church hurts, everybody hurts. When one person in the church celebrates, everybody celebrates. When one person in the church needs something, everybody helps to meet that need. And it's so cool because as I look around the room, and as I did in the first service, I, I could. There are, there are some terrible things about being on the backside of the closet, but there's also some cool things about being on the backside of the closet. You, you look around and you see, even in this room, how different people have helped one another. It's just cool, man. How people have given tangible expressions of love. And the only thing that unites you is that you cherish Christ. That's the thing that brought you together. And so he said that they weren't just lovable, but they loved one another. And and I think when we do that in a unique way, birthed out of the supremacy of Christ, that's what makes church enticing. That's what makes church appealing. And when I say church, I'm not talking about the hour of the verb that we're doing right now, churching. I'm talking about that's what makes the people unique and enticing, amazing, if you will. Love is what changes the climate of a room. Just a minute ago, you all came walking in. If you come walking in, and you know anything about anybody in this room, But if you walk out going, I don't know much, but I know they love each other. That alone makes Christ look glorious. It changes things. Let me give you a real example of this. Just last week. Man, it was awesome. Golly, it was awesome. And I've been in in church life really since I was born. I mean, I came out of the womb and straight up in the church, right? But been in ministry for 24, which don't even seem right, but 24 years. And so I've seen a lot of church and where you can hop in and hop out and all this kind of stuff. But something happened last week that just was awesome that I've never seen before. There were a group of little eight-year-old girls playing softball at Sokol North. And so if you count all the girls on the team, which is like 14, and then add their parents in, you know, you'll have another, I'm not good at math, what is that, 14 times 2, 3? You'll have 
you'll have some people there. <laughs> right? And if you go look at the picture on, on Facebook that has been posted by several people, you'll find that if there were 30 people supposed to be there, there were like 120 people in the picture. People from the church who just came to hang out with these girls and to champion them on. And I looked at that and I was blown away and I was like, none of them are related to these girls. None of them have any... Maybe they teach them up here or something like that. And, and, and the community just flooded one another and it was just this cool moment. I mean, we got single <laughs> young professionals there and married people there and everybody's there just to love on these girls. And I walked away going, you know what? We didn't talk about Jesus. Nobody got on the microphone and was like, hey, now everybody listen to Jesus. But that was an expression of Jesus' love in real time. And I was like, man, that's awesome. And I think that's what Paul's saying. Do we have this expression of love for one another? Do we have this faith that we exhibit? And then finally, has Christ's supremacy birthed hope in you? You feel hope rising up within you. Not wishful thinking, but genuine expectancy. And so you see that in the text as well. We, we watched a movie the other night, or a show the other night. It wasn't called Amazing Race, but it's kind of like Amazing Race. Maybe it was called The Journey to the Center of the Earth or something like that. Have you guys seen this? Basically, you have a team, and if you do obstacles, you end up at the center of the earth where there is a buoy floating, and it has a million bucks in a Ziploc bag. It's a really big Ziploc bag, right? But it, it's floating up under this. And so the whole point is you do this journey to get to this million bucks, but... You've got to do these crazy obstacles. I mean, these people are bleeding and there's all kind of stuff to get. But why would they endure all the things and the blood and the hurt and the what? Why would they press for their fears? Well, because they have a hope to get to the million bucks. And that's what drives them. It's not just wishful thinking. And Paul says, listen, if you've embraced Christ's supremacy in all things, you will exhibit a hope that you will press towards Christ no matter what the cost. No matter if your family stinks. No matter if your job stinks. No matter if your expectations got crushed. No matter whatever, you will press on towards Christ specifically because He alone is your hope. That's what Paul says. He says, this is beautiful. This, when Christians are willing to give up Everything for the relentless pursuit of Christ Himself. Not what Christ offers, but Christ Himself. That is what leads Him to pray and to rejoice. That's what we're called to be. A people of faith, of love, of hope. Let's keep going. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, and it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So, number one, the supremacy of Christ will lead us to pray, but number two, the supremacy of Christ more specifically will make fruit bearers out of us. It's just natural. It will move us from hearers to doers. And this is as natural as an apple tree growing apples. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, the only place that an apple tree will not grow apples is in the Nicholson yard. 
You plant that bad boy there and you ought to go in ahead and toss it in the trash because it ain't growing squat, right? But an apple tree is just going to produce apples because that's what it does. And if you embrace Christ as supreme in all things, it will, by default, produce fruit. It will produce faith. It will produce hope. It will produce love. Not only because the limbs themselves naturally do that, because the root is going to push that up through you. If you're, if you're uh, rooted in Christ's supremacy in all things, His supremacy will push that out of you is what this text... I've heard about this. It's come to you. You Not only have you heard it, but you've also understood it. It's, it's unstoppable. It's a dynamic power in you that will be both personal and global. It'll grow. It'll grow. And so you may go, well, I'm not bearing as much fruit as I want to bear. Trust in the Lord, exhibit faith, hope, and love, and He will produce it. Don't walk around worrying about, I've only got seven apples or two apples or three apples. And as I'm doing this, I'm thinking about apples growing off my fingers for some strange reason. Don't worry about that. The question is not how many apples are on you right now. The question is, am I pressing in to what? Faith? Hope? Love? It's the authentication code. So again, are are we pressing in or are we getting this? And then number seven, just just as you've learned this from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So finally, number three, the supremacy of Christ will make you worthy of being imitated, just like Epaphras. And so... As we close it today, you are someone else's Epaphras. If you see Christ as supreme in all things and exhibit faith, hope, and love, that makes you worthy of being imitated. You ever felt of yourself that I'm worthy to be imitated? I hope not. But at the same time, I hope that the Christ in you, you do see as worthy of being imitated. That's what Paul said, right? Paul was no different than us. A man that was sinful, don't believe it, go read Romans. The things that I do, I don't want to do. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. We can identify with that brother, right? And then what does he say? Imitate me as I do what? Imitate Christ. This makes you worthy of imitation. You are worthy of imitation when you exhibit faith, hope, and love as the access code, which means that you're an evangelist. Now listen, we went through the spiritual gifts lists, and I think that we got feedback on every single spiritual gift except for one. Like when we talked about mercy that week, people would be like, yeah, I'm struggling with mercy. And when we talked, the one was evangelist. When we went through the gift of evangelism, there's nobody in our church that was sending messages or texts about the gift of evangelism. And I think it's because we have a warped notion of what an evangelist is. We think that you're only an evangelist if you have a microphone and a big tent and thousands of people are coming to Christ, right? Or we think about someone who can walk up to a biker gang, like there are people with Harleys and, and, you know, tattooed on their forehead, I'm going to kill your mother and whatever, (laughs) 
And you walk, somebody has the power to walk up to them and tell them about Christ. And then all of a sudden they bow and go, yes, I accept Jesus as Lord. They have the gift of evangelism. And Paul goes, no, 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 no. No. You are an evangelist. If you express faith, hope, and love. And if you do that, you will be Epaphras to somebody else. And so as we wrap it up, I want you to flip over their little handout. You should have one around you. Turn it over to the blinding yellow section <laughs> um, that you'll find on the back. We've done yellow one time at Safe Haven, and this is also the last time we'll ever put yellow. That is a bright yellow, brothers and sisters. Um, but look at that bottom thing. This is so true. At Safe Haven, we believe you can reach someone that no one else can reach. The single most effective springboard in discipleship is the friendship factor. You want to know how God wants to use you? Through your friendship, by expressing faith, hope, and love. And when you do so, you exhibit the fact that you truly cherish Christ's supremacy in all things. Hopefully that makes sense. So on your social media, do you express your love and faith and hope through your posts? In your random conversations, do you express faith, hope, and love? In your intentional conversations, do you express faith, hope, and love? Do you invite people over for dinner to express faith, hope, and love? Does your community group plan things to express faith, hope, and love? And then do you invite people in to understand Christ's faith, hope, and love? And if you do, for whatever reason, Christ has birthed in you a love for His supremacy in all things. Pretty cool. All right, well, I'll shut up now. As the kids apparently are ready for me to shut up. Um, as the band comes back up. Cherishing Christ as supreme in all things, it's not rocket science. It's really it. It's just a natural byproduct of being amazed at the gospel. When we're amazed that Christ would love us in our unlovable state, we can't help but tell people that Christ will also love them in their unlovable state. It's Acts chapter 2, 42. Think the verses on the screen. Look how simple this is. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They got together and they studied the word. And the fellowship. They hung out around Christ's word. And to the breaking of bread and prayers, they took communion and they prayed because of faith, hope, and love. And all came upon every soul. Did you catch that? All didn't come upon every soul because they built a humongous giant building. All didn't come upon every soul because Britt played the harmonica. All didn't come upon every soul because it was shiny and flashy. All didn't come upon every... All simply became upon every soul because they were expressing faith, hope, and love by eating together and hanging out. That's why everybody was in awe. And because of that, many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Look 
how attractive this is. Look how awesome this makes Jesus look. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. My gosh, let that be set up safe haven. That we love each other enough that we will open up bank accounts and whatever to help love one another as expressions of faith, hope, and love. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. I love this verse because it's always a good chance to say, don't y'all ever complain about coming to worship for 30 minutes. These brothers met every day. Alright? Every day. And they rejoiced. They received their food and glad with generous hearts. They praised God and had favor with all people. And because of this, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. If we see Christ as supreme in all things, not our family, not our job, not our whatever, if Christ is our only source of joy and value, we will express faith, hope, and love Other people will see it and they will be attracted to Christ and they too will come to know Him because of expressions of faith, hope, and love. It's just that simple. It's that simple. Pretty good text, huh? Does it leave you convicted? Does it leave you celebrating? And if you're probably a normal human Christian in here, it's probably like a mixture of both, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, Praise the Lord for His work through our text. Uh, Let's pray together. Well, so Jesus, as we think about this text and I think about last week and, and how being in Christ is, is all we need to focus on. And now this week, how that will lead us to pray for one another and how that will lead us to express faith, hope, and love and how that will be an example of evangelism and All these things, Lord, it it should lead us just to praise your name still more. And so, Father, now as we prepare just to sing out of here and then walk out of these doors, for those in this room who are convicted by this text, I pray today that that conviction just simply leads them to the fact that every day is a fresh start. (laughs) And today we can express faith, hope, and love in a way that we didn't express it yesterday. Thank you for that grace. So, God, I pray for those under conviction that they'll repent, draw a line in the sand, and start a fresh and anew to give all of themselves to all of you. And then, and I believe there are some, Lord, who this text resonates confidence and they are worshiping right now in their soul because they realize that you're the only reason they are expressing faith, hope, and love. Though imperfectly, you're perfect. (laughs) And so they want to erupt in worship. And so as we sing now, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. I pray that we will sing it with voices raised like we're in our showers. (laughs) That we'll sing it with dances like we're dancing in our car. That we'll sing it with hands raised like we're in a stadium and a touchdown just occurred. That... More importantly, we'll sing it with hearts rejoicing that Christ is worthy of supremacy of all things because He loved us and gave Himself for us to draw us to Himself in eternity.
Thank you, Lord, for your work on our behalf. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.